Welcome to Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and I'm here with Matt Leach. Hello, sir. Very good, thank you. You didn't even ask. <laughs> I like it. I like I it. I just jumped straight in there. It's good to be back. I'm feeling a bit tired today. That's okay. As you might tell. I don't know, I've had a busy, busy day. Mm. Before we get into my busy, busy day, right. I'd like to talk about Streamtime, who is a major supporter of ADR and everything we do. What can we say about them that we haven't said before? Yeah. Great software, great team, putting money into time and initiatives into you know things that are really going to help the industry's future. So if you want to know why we love them so much, just go to streamtime.net and you can get all the information and you can get a free account to try out the software. Yeah, check it out. Um, and who do we have on this episode? On this episode, we're speaking to Mikey Hart and Benny Weller, uh, creative directors at Holzbosch. Holzbosch started by Hans Holzbosch over 35 years ago. It's a branding studio. It's got some massive clients. Yeah. Um, here in Sydney, I think, you know, think Woolworths, Qantas, A-League, Rebel yeah. Sport, I think. I mean, these are some of the big identities they've, they've done now and like over the, over the years. I think they've always sort of been there, like kind of ticking away at working with these huge, huge clients. What I really enjoyed about this one was both Benny and Mikey in these leadership roles and their completely different journeys getting there. And there's a few bits of really good career advice out there as well for anyone that's, you know, looking to to do a similar sort of path. We won't give it away now, but some stuff that had us having a bit of a chat after the episode thinking, oh, that's a pretty good trick. I quite like that. It's uh, interesting to hear because they've had such different paths to get to this position, Mm. uh, how they also work together now, which is really interesting. Exactly, yeah. Um, now, this is not the first time we've actually had Holzbosch on, someone from Holzbosch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Linda Jukic on um, ADR episode 41. Oh, my God. That was, that was like, so long that ago. That was like a lifetime ago. I honestly feel like that wasn't that long ago, but uh, time, I, she is a cruel. I can tell it was a quite a long time ago because we, we did – Linda's left now, but we talked quite a bit about the ABC Kids ident they did. Right. Because it was really important to me at the time because I had kids who were watching ABC. Oh, right. Which you've got now got. Yeah, it wasn't important to me then, and now it's the most important <laughs> I thing. I remember you yawning, going, oh, God, can we talk about something else? Yeah, go talk about kids. Um, yeah. How's, how is your kid? Yeah, she's great. She's um, she's five months now. So, and uh, yeah, it's amazing. Any, anyone that has kids knows. It's just super fun. On solids? Yeah. Yep. Eating, eating food, splashing about, sitting yep. up by herself. Food coming back up. Laughing. Not yet. <laughs> Knocking on wood right now. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we jump in? Let's go. So our last episode, uh, the person who we who we spoke to had never listened to a podcast, let alone our podcast. Right. So it was really nice. It was a good it was start. Really, it was really lovely to hear that you actually have listened to our podcast. Religiously, every 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 single one. I think. Yay! Wow. Yeah. Which was the best one? I think for me, hearing my peers and people I've worked with, and just hearing their story. I mean, you often speak to people in the pub, and you kind of share where you come from, but. I just suppose it's always been quite insightful just to follow the journey of people you respect and work with, especially and in the industry. Yeah, and that's cool. the beauty. I mean, it was literally from having like talks in the pub that we were like, oh, everyone needs to hear this because like, some yeah. of the stuff's being talked about is like super interesting. So as you would know, because you've listened to ones, this part of the episode is normally around sort of the, the biography kind of area and this is where I get to show off my research skills because uh, Flynn, Flynn doesn't do any research Wow! Um, but having two of you on kind of creates slight problem yeah but bear with me because there's a couple of things that came up in my research okay you've bigged re- yourself up this better be pretty good <laughs> yeah so Mikey I want to start with you because yeah. you obviously shifted to or you you went into design very early on yes. but at some point you shifted out of that and went more into marketing that's interesting. It's just that from the very beginning, when I first started my job, like I started um, very quickly and was launched into my first, the first project I ever worked on was Absolute Vodka. Um, <laughs> a nice small client. Yeah, and, and it, was, it was all by accident in a way where you kind of, 
you come out of uni and you're just a design student and I didn't have any idea what I was doing but it, I, I've, I quite quickly really respected and understood actually there's a whole layer before it even gets to me a whole other world of actually there's a reason for me to be on this project and I actually have to a task to perform that actually helps someone else's strategic objective right and mm. um, to help their brand grow so I suppose for me it's not that I kind of went out of design I've um, as I've kind of grown to be a uh, transition from a designer to a creative leader it's just I need to know exactly how a marketer thinks I need to understand um, how brands grow to really kind of add value to our any client that I speak to which is why I, I mean I've it's that kind of perpetual journey of constantly trying to learn things that you don't know because there's other things to what we do that's got nothing to do with drawing right yeah. it's like mm. how you take cultural influences together and in and all these kind of touch points and I think for me really understanding and empathizing with where our clients are coming from and where they need to go is really important. So I did do a, um, a brand management course with a, a, a great marketer, uh, Mark Ritson, who's really well known in the industry. And I, I just found that really invaluable to kind of learn properly, <laughs> I suppose, because I've learned on the job, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. a designer. I'm um, always thinking that. I'm always thinking like, I think I know how to do this, but I've never been told if this is actually the right way to yeah. do this. It's like podcasting straight up. Yeah. <laughs> I feel Are like we doing that. the right way? Probably. <laughs> You're doing a great job. But, uh, <laughs> no, but like, I think for me, whenever I get uh, client feedback now, I'm the kind of person who's extremely, extremely emotional about any feedback I get because I'm just so passionate about the work I want to produce and the in getting the studio work to a level where I, you know, want to be recognised by my peers of doing the best thing, and so when I get that client feedback, I can really understand now where they're coming from, or if we're trying to um, target a complete consumer customer like segment, I really understand how to tap into that, and when I'm presenting, I can kind of just pick up the um, terminology that they're using internally as well. So I can, it's just a way of selling design, I think, mm. better. It, did I read somewhere that you? An award-winning photographer as well? Yeah, um, I had a bit of a double life when I first came to Australia. When you're in your 20s, I, I felt like um, it was my right to just have a, just go get a bit loose, I suppose. <laughs> um, just, just explore a new city and just experience things firsthand culturally. And it's just that I was living in the middle of Sydney, uh, like Darlinghurst at the time, and there was gigs all around me. And before I left from the UK to come to Australia, going to festivals and gigs was a really important part of the way I like to you know, socially go out and have some fun. My dad actually gave me a, just an, a standard SOR camera to plonk around with and I just found myself at gigs with this camera I started taking photos and then in six months I ended up side of stage at the big day out taking photos of like the Arctic monkeys and all <laughs> sorts of things like that so um, I was actually from just impromptu doing reportage photography um, I entered a competition for the NME which is a very well known publication in the UK music publication and um, yeah it won so that's it's quite a nice brilliant. bit of yeah from just being curious culturally and just trying to capture things that I don't know I kind of was experiencing stuff that I just wanted other people to see backstage and stuff so yeah so Benny yeah it's your turn now Benny gets to say something he's <laughs> yeah. been patiently patiently waiting and the, and watch watch the segue so we're, we're talking about multidiscipline sort of stuff there reading your bios and stuff I was finding out about you it feels like you are incredibly multidisciplined within design because you're not only a designer, you can also do digital, motion, packaging, environmental design. Have I left anything out? Well, look, I think, and that's a topic I, I thought about, you know, talking about a little bit later, but if you s go straight into that question, for me, you know, like nowadays as a brand designer, there's basically two things you can be. You can either be a specialist yeah. or you can be the generalist. And I think if you want to lead a team and drive big branding projects. To me, you almost have to be that jack of all trades to a degree. Yeah. And for me, it's just been my journey that, you know, for me, it was very, like I, I, I started straight out of uni, similar like Mikey dropped into one of the big agencies in Germany, um, a BBDO agency. And we worked on big, like big corporate clients from fashion, like Hugo, Hugo Boss to things like big engineering companies in Germany. And it was just this this journey of 
you know, there was a bit of store design there. There was, um, you know, the classic print stuff there. And to me, it always felt like even at uni, um, we had this conversation quite early on about like graphic design. And I think it's probably a German thing in our, in German language. There is a job which is Grafiker, which is like, that's the graphic designer translated. But we didn't call ourselves Grafiker because it's more of a, is a, is a thing you don't really learn at university. It's mm. more of a um, an apprenticeship. And then there's the, graphic designer who is um yeah I, I always saw myself as a brand designer right from the start and um i think so for me it's just been this journey with um learning on the goal really and you know this transition to digital and to you know nowadays like user experiential design and you know all of the um you know 3d things that happen on the way and it's just become more and more important and i think when i started out Brands, you know, in the early 2000s, brands were still quite, you know, rigid systems. A lot of the systems I worked on in the early days were very much like, you know, driving a logo and then typefaces. You had this, like structured grids and everything. And I think they've become, over the course of the last 15 years, brands have become more like complex and, you know, these um, beings that, um, you know, tap into all of these different disciplines and because you know how do you define brand for me I've always defined brand as a gut feel it's not like you, you can't design the brand the brand is not a logo or a system or whatever it's like the gut feel a person has towards a service or a company or a product and so in the end this gut feel comes from a collection of all of these different things you experience and it's the product it's actually how you interact with the service it's the way how the brand talks and then it's obviously like how does it look and that's a traditional graphic design discipline so but for me it's always been all of these things at the same time because we like, i've always worked with copywriters there's you know tone of voice has always played a huge role and then yeah it's it's i think it's just happened over the years that i've worked on so many different branding projects in so many different industries that all of these different disciplines have played a role. And so for me, I'm I'm not great on the tools in a lot of these disciplines. Like I'm I'm not a brilliant 3D artist, for example. I tap into specialists to do that. Yeah. But I think I'm I've got this understanding of all of these different disciplines which I've had to work with over the years. And for me, that's one of the crucial things about being a brand designer these days, that you have to understand how motion works to actually brief a specialist. Yeah. So, it's, it, I mean, it's going back to that kind of idea, you know, when we did a lot of print, it was like you had to go and talk to a printer to yeah. understand what they actually did in order to, to kind of set it up in the right way and everything. And it's hard for students, though, because they, they're looking at, I guess, people in, in your sort of roles who are multidisciplined across um, multiple things. And, and then they're going to a typography class and they're kind of like, oh, how, how do I get to there from where I am here? I spent 15 years doing it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. or 20 yeah, yeah. years doing it. I yeah. think I think you can't fast track yeah. experience. Yeah. In I the think, end. and I think yeah. this is the problem with with education. And I, sorry, Flynn, I'm talking about education again. Um, <laughs> Just anyone at home playing the drink every time uh, Matt <laughs> says the word game. education or interesting. Yes, <laughs> the problem is that I think students look at creative director, or even schools are trying to teach students to be creative directors. And missing that 15 years mm. where it's just you've just got to give it time. Mm. Isn't it a case that people want things too quickly now? Mm. Like there's, a, there's something about practicing your skill, your art, or it's baby steps. It's, it's, it's bite-sized chunks. It's, you're not going to mm. get there straight away. And I think we overwhelm ourselves and there's that instant gratification of success yep. that I think we're looking for. And I mean, without going into social media and all that stuff, I think I think with students, you can just go onto Pinterest and suddenly you can get overwhelmed too quickly. Yeah. Mm. As designer, I get overwhelmed just as much by just the overload of stuff because everything's been done. So I think for students, like I think they've just if, when everything's been done and there's a whole future, like where, where's their place in it all? You know, where yeah. do they go? Because I mean. It's just difficult. We, we talk about it a bit on the show, that idea of... I, I really like the idea of the apprenticeship because when you're in an apprenticeship, then you go into it and you realise where your hierarchy is. You're like, cool, okay, now I'm day one. I've just begun my apprenticeship. Whereas I think often we're creating creative directors and then you go in on your first day and... You Can know, you please follow that stuff? Yeah, man. I was, <laughs> I was making coffees yeah. and Vegemite toast for everyone when I was a junior. And you had to make it just right. 
Yeah, I was good at the Vegemite toast. Better than designing. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about that generalist specialist thing a little bit yeah, more? Sure. Because I'm really interested in that because it feels like in the industry maybe every five years it seems to cycle back one way or the other so you know everyone's looking for generalists or then five years later everyone's kind of looking for that specialist do you agree with that or like in in my opinion um there's always been room for both and Mm -hmm. it's it's an interesting industry within we're in because you know this industry i think one thing i didn't know when i started out in this industry and when i came out of uni it felt like you know this is how you do branding and i thought everything's there yeah. and then it started changing and everything and i think it's one of these industries that just keeps evolving really fast and it's always been evolving and what i didn't understand back then is that it's it's actually a quite young industry compared to a lot of other industries and even you know in our marketing world like advertising has been around much longer than the actual you know branding agencies yeah. When I started out, it'd been around for like 25, 30 years, like the first ones really, which is not long. So all of these frameworks and how it's done had evolved into one thing and that was quite structured. And then suddenly, you know, digital came around and brands started to do things beyond that. And, you know, suddenly people, everything became more experiential and broader. And I think that's where I personally, because that's, that's, very much who I am like I'm interested in almost anything and I've always read a lot of science but I've also been incredibly interested in arts and I've always been a musician and so for me that was a quite natural thing to pick up anything to a degree but I think there's always been room for the specialists because especially in a highly diversified industry like ours nowadays you can't be good at anything like you need the specialists and that's why I really think that there's room for both and you need both. And in the end, it's really, about, and for me, that's a real, like for someone starting out in the industry, that's a real insight. And that's really interesting to know because in the end, you can be both. If you're really good at one thing or if you're really interested in one thing, sink your teeth into it. And if you can imagine living with that thing for 10 or 15 years, do it and become a specialist and just do that one thing really well. Mm-hmm. And there's space for that. But if you're not that person, and I wasn't, I was. I wanted to see everything, and I felt like I wanna, I wanna jump from one thing to the next, um, and I got bored with things after a while, and that's just my personality. And for me, that that why it, it's it was more natural to just kind of keep doing all of these things, and that's how I evolved into that role. I think. Yeah, I, I, specialists. I find in because I work in consumer branding and retail, I kind of feel like there is a difference in terms of a discipline um, in what we do because you've got moving image or you've got corporate branding. Or I kind of feel like there is a knack of understanding where you fit into the world because I wouldn't in a million years pretend that I'm some sort of motion graphics expert and quite frankly, I don't really want to move over or try and entertain that space. So I suppose for me, I like to draw on different points of view and different specialists to kind of think about creating a result as a whole. For me, I've always kind of specialised in kind of consumer branding and retail just because I enjoy it and I like to be the expert of that one subject instead of multiple things. And I think as a designer, I I can concentrate um, perfecting my skill in bringing brands to market or products to market more effectively. So for me, it works to be more specialised, whereas I definitely see when Benny works, he is thinking very experiential in a lot of his work. What about the rest of the studio? Are there specialists at Holzbosch or is is it more of a generalist, everyone kind of doing everything? Obviously, we do have specialists like yeah. finished artists or creative art workers. Then we yeah. do have strategists. Yeah. Um, but I think in the design team, the more experienced people are, I think the more generalists they probably are. Mm. And if you, if you start out, we've got a couple of young designers, like really talented young designers, and can't be really that generalist yet. But I think all of them have tapped into, you know, a bit of motion. And we're trying to do a lot of things in-house, at least in a conceptual stage, you know, before it actually is the finished product. You kind of animate things. You And, and I think that's where that's where everybody kind of gets a go at different disciplines. Mm, Cool. Six months ago, you were both made creative directors. I guess I want to talk about this bit because Jade actually wrote a piece, which which I read, which um, I was interested to kind of, I guess, get your point of view and, and kind of understand more about what was happening. So he said, 
responding to a number of transformational projects. We've therefore geared up the business operations to engage new talent. And that's where both of you came on. So what mm. what was happening six months ago where, I mean, you were brought in completely fresh, Mikey, and, mm. and you, were, you came from a design director up into a creative director. For me, it's been a natural progression into that role. And we've had creative directors before. We were without a creative director for a while. I mean, Hans is obviously there. Yeah. Um, he's in the ECD role. He will always be kind of the, you know, um, the person who oversees everything. For me, it was that natural progression. But I guess where we diversified is really how Mikey came in, and that we, mm. um, that there is a new big FMCG client, and so we had to broaden our skill set into that space. And I think that was basically. Mm. The idea of, um, in the end, creating these two teams, um, and we do overlap, we work together, but we do have our quite clear, you know, Mikey drives that side of the business, and I look after the branding clients, Mm. um, the traditional branding clients, and so I think that's that's what's really happened. I've come in to kind of... um build just a different side of the agency really so I've met, uh, we've got a nice little core team that I managed to recruit and build around me because you can't do it all on yourself I mean but when I did walk in I was literally on my own doing absolutely <laughs> everything I was working Who's the longest hours in the, in the world <laughs> I remember Jay said to me he goes I didn't bring you in to do this hey and I was like no, 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 but it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. One-man army. But um, <laughs> it, was, it was for me, I think, because in my previous job, I, I, was, I was there for five years and I, I had a great time and I built up a great reputation with um, the work that we were doing and the clients that we were working that, with. That was Loop Brands. And which, Loop Brands, yeah. Which has dealt with pretty huge clients as well. Exactly right. To be, at the, to be able to take my experience of things like, you know, Kellogg's hadn't changed their logo for a hundred years yet here I was in Australia creating a brand that was has been rolled out all over Europe and we created a whole signature WK Kellogg's heritage range yeah. um, here in Sydney here I am doing that so I've, I've had some great experiences and it's a case of taking up a new challenge as it were and with Holzbosch's um, expertise and you know Hans is Hans has done it all right so to be able to knock on his door well not even knock on his door really just kind of gate crash I like to think of it right (laughs) I kind of go in there and just have a little nice chat and it's quite nice to hear how he's approached things in the past as well do you know what I mean so and and, and working with Benny and just seeing another side um, to the business because working at I've worked at Landor and Interbrand and I'm kind of used to being surrounded by so many awesome so many awesome people and doing all these kind of amazing projects and i suppose um at loop were very niche and very specialized there whereas now i kind of feel like i'm back in the arena of okay we're we're with the big boys again um, or even bigger (laughs) boys as they were and people like benny um are just really inspiring because they just approach things completely differently to how i do it so i feel like i can grow um as well but yeah i think i think it's really nice that like the two different sides kind of interact a little bit more because you do get agencies and studios which become as we were talking about really specialized mm. and therefore start kind of you know they're, they're stuck in a kind of a loop i guess a, a, a tunnel where, where they're kind of only hearing back their own sort of stuff where because you guys have two different kind of I guess effectively studios running within the same studio you're, you're getting to influence each other a lot I, I mean I'm very inclusive in my approach I like to I'm probably like a big child running around the studio right Benny like um, I kind of really love the uh, building up the energy in the room and when we are cross-pollinating ideas and um, working on each other's projects at times I, I actually do get a real buzz and in different ways of thinking and I think that's the benefit you get when you've got m- different personalities and points of view in the room. And that's that's probably a personality thing. But um, for me personally, it's it's the same thing. I I love collaborating. Like for me, it's never been about you know this idea of put pressure on people and be really competitive. Like I've never really been a competitive person myself. I like to beat myself, but not really, you know, kind of compete with other people. For me, it's always been about collaboration. And for me, it's always been this, like, the better I, like, you get the better ideas. Um, 
out of more diverse teams and it's it's a thing that's in literature as well you know it's it's not uh like it's it's a scientifically proven fact that if you put more diverse people into a room you get a more diverse set of ideas you can pull from and more diverse points of view and i think that's why it's great to have someone like mikey on the team now to actually you know get that point of view as well and to just have that different facet of thinking with a I'd like a different experience and we've like we've crossed paths before so it's not that our careers have been you know entirely different we don't come from like two different sides of the world really it's it's this thing where you know we've worked at Landor like nine years ago together for a while hated each other well <laughs> yeah it's one of these things like we we actually didn't work didn't together much time, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah who's who's that dude that was actually one of my first gigs in australia that was like i was probably like three months in the country and still really figuring it out like senior designer first few gigs english speaking i started at interbrand and then ended up at landor and did a few gigs around different agencies and then ended up at re at the time but it's, it was this one of these stints for like three months at landor and we didn't really work together, but we got along. Mm. And then we kind of mostly stayed in touch through social media, but not really, you know, every mm. day. And so we didn't really become friends at the time, but we got along. And you, it's a small incestuous industry in Sydney, if you're mm. honest. Like, as everybody knows in, each in other. In the world, really, it's, let's yeah. be honest. You carry yeah, on your cavern's conversation where you left off, in a way. Like, I remember when I saw Benny after I had the interview at Holzbosch, it was almost like we carried on. As if. I like that. Yeah, you yeah. haven't yeah. seen each other for a number of years. Yeah. Anyway, as I was saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true though, isn't it? Yeah, it's cool. And that's like going back to the idea of diversity. Like it's yeah, amazing yeah. to just have that different skill set on the team, I think. Mm. How, d- how did you find it? Because you went from a design director to a creative director. Did you notice a difference? Yes, there is. Like obviously, and we have talked about that internally, both sides didn't want that just to be a title. Yeah. Like obviously there was a need for someone filling that role and you know i had naturally stepped into a few of those things over the years but in the end um you know now there is a more formalized system behind it and what's you know also like kpis talk about kpis and whatever it is like i'm not going to go into details obviously but it's this thing that yes we have formalized that role and i was actually in the beginning i was actually a little bit surprised that it really has changed my role in a studio with a team that hadn't really changed and with the same clients of the same people. But we do have a thing which is like a, you know, a, a management team I wasn't part of as a design director, which I'm now part of. And mm-hmm. so we are driving the agency and it's really more about creating that vision for the agency. And yeah, it's a super exciting, super exciting opportunity. It's, it's yeah. funny, like people I've talked to who have who've made that leap within the same agency because quite often you'll see they make that leap but to another agency Mm. when they make it in they they talk about this idea of like all these things that they didn't like people management yeah that they hadn't expected that they would be doing so much of yeah it does get more like Mm. it does get more because it's formalized now and before that you were doing part of it yeah it was more like a natural thing um and i think you know design director is a director role but you're more like i was mentoring one person one particular person i I was assigned to but then um it was more of a thing obviously now i'm responsible for the whole team i'm responsible for yeah their, their, their deadlines are your deadlines yeah, yeah. yeah. and their yeah. kpis are my kpis in the end as well yeah. so i'm i'm responsible for the development of the whole team as well i have to look after them i think um i never asked to be creative director i'll be honest five <laughs> years ago I, I i was freelancing at the time and i kind of fell into it um i don't want this no of course but i mean i always aspired to be doing well in my career and then when it landed on my lap I remember distinctly thinking actually everything's changed because to Benny said you you're responsible for everything now the the way you approach a client the direction of a job the how you take a great idea and sell it like that's probably the hardest thing I had to think about because it was necessary about me it was about we now and how can I take someone else's idea and make sure it does get over the line? I remember looking at other creative directors, judging them because they didn't get my idea through. And now I was the person. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Trying yeah. to, oh, man, I, my, my team's going to be really disappointed to me if I come back and I haven't made it work. So suddenly there is this, I actually, I need to step up my game now and, and really think about how I'm going to make 
magic happen the way mm. you've seen it done. Uh, what's, what steps did you take? Like, is, is it just a suddenly, like, the next day, like, okay, I'm really going to focus on all of these things? Did, did you read? Did you reach out to friends? I mean, we spoke about community before. We have a lot of, you know, there's been people on the show that you work with and everything. You obviously know a lot of people in the industry. Like, how did you, like, and same sort of question for you as well, Benny, I guess, transitioning into these roles where they're soft skills, using yeah. air quotes for everybody at home. You know, how do you learn this stuff? Like, you have to learn it on the job. So what what did you, maybe starting with, I, yeah. I, I think about everything a lot, right? Right, okay. I, I, I'm one of these people who can't ever shut my brain off. I'm constantly thinking about everything. Um, right. I mean, as a designer, I think you naturally are to solve problems. But for me, I was literally in my head, because I don't like to write things down much, just cherry picking all the best things I've ever learned from people I looked up to. And I think right. naturally throughout my career, I've made it, I, I've actually looked for mentors, whether or not they know it or not. I remember... Secret mentor. Secret mentor. No, seriously, I remember mm. being... Every agency I've ever worked with, I think if, and if anyone's listening back to this, they'll now find out. I remember being in reviews um, with senior management when you have your kind of appraisal going, I want to sit next to that person. Why? Because I want to learn from that person. And then suddenly there'll be a studio move because I've instigated this idea that we should be not sitting in the same seat all the time. Because <laughs> you can. You can sit in the same seat for years, right? Mm. So I made sure that um, every six months I was trying to sit next to someone else and also in the business i align myself with people i really respect when i need to learn that wow so i've I, never heard that one like someone mm. moving the chess chessboard around a little bit so that they're just physically working next to someone well i, I don't see how you're gonna learn unless you do it because mm. i'm not i'm i'm stuck in my what I, my bubble and what i know hanging out with just um the same like-minded people i need to i remember in 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 the uk You've got studios of like 100 people, right? And I was lucky enough, they weren't segregated teams of art workers in the corner, visualizers in the other corner, strategists, and that. You could, it was actually a lot more jumbled um, in terms of the design studio part. Client service is always in their own little section. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of made sure that I was rubbish at Photoshop. So I made sure I sat next to someone who's really good at it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Stuff mm. like that. So I think, in terms of trying to figure out how to be a better, um, leader is kind of thinking about who am I going to draw inspiration of and again it's working with people and leaders in the past that you really respect and that was a good one like I mean you've had people here like um, Chris on the show uh, Chris McLean on the show and you got Doily and all that so you kind of look at these people and you kind of go yeah I'll, I'll take a bit of that and I'll use it and put it in my pocket hmm. yeah I, th I, th I really think when Mikey told me that story I thought that's I wish I'd thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great bit of that. Like it's true. I'd never heard of that mm. before either. And it's a great bit of advice that you can actually like physically move yourself to like be closer to those people. Yeah. Because for me, it would have been like, if you talk about mentorship and if, if you know, young people is this daunting idea of, oh, how do I get a mentor? Um, you know, how do I get someone? Like, I don't have anyone in my life who's naturally become my mentor. And it's it's this thing where, you don't go out and ask someone. It's the same as you don't go out and ask someone on the street, like, do you want to be my friend? Like, it doesn't really make much sense, right? <laughs> you just no, you, you just don't. Like, it, it's this thing where I think, you know, as a young designer, start out, do what you like doing, mm -hmm. sink your teeth into it, and then just listen and make yourself useful. And I think, and then somehow search for opportunities. And if there is no formalized, I mean, most big agencies do have a formalized mentorship program. But if that doesn't exist, and if you struggle, you know, if you don't naturally grow into this, like, I've, I've got a mentor role, then I think just listen, try to follow people, like, really listen to everything they say um, and try to be part of it and try to make yourself useful. And I think then you can learn. And I've, set, I've been in that position myself where people have not really formally turned into my mentors but I've taken you know I've worked with some of those amazing people in the past as well and I've I've just always tried to listen and just try to I, I don't know like take the best from it and everybody has a different style and so you don't agree with everything you hear from even you know even really smart people sometimes you feel like oh that was a little bit arrogant or you yeah. the way how you approach people I would do that differently mm -hmm. and I think you just have to find your own way in the end 
but you can listen and there's always something you can take from those people. I want to talk a little bit about hiring as well, just because I guess as creative directors, you're in that position where you are hiring um, and you've talked about like building, building your team and that kind of stuff. And there's been quite a bit of talk about like we're, we're in the thick of the war on talent in, in the sense, and we talked about specialists versus generalization and this whole, whole idea. talent, that sounds pretty yeah. <laughs> rough. Hunger Games. <laughs> it's, it came from a McKinsey report mm. about 20 years ago. Mm. Um, <clears throat> that oh, was, so it's up to date. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was talking about the future at that point. Right. So we're, we're, we're kind of in that area now. We're in the future now. We are in the future. That is scary, isn't it? We're getting old. <laughs> but the, 2020 soon. 20 mm. It's scary, right? So, so I remember, like, I don't know, 2005 and I was going to I went to a 2020 forum and it just felt like so far away like there was just no way that we're ever going to get there yeah I remember some of those. There were some of the targets for climate change and other things. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, just make it zero by the time we yeah. get there. So we'll be fine. It'll be easy. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I was interested in like, with how how you get people into Holzbosch because Holzbosch has a, a particular way of designing and, mm-hmm. and it has very big clients so there can't be kind of mess ups and that kind of stuff. Paired with, I know Holzbosch often talks about itself as being um, people first. So how yeah, how do you kind of balance those two things? For me to build a team around me, I think it's about a few things. I need a very much an inclusive mindset. Um, you can be the most talented designer, but I need someone who can really work with me, not against me. I suppose the more pressure you have with the bigger clients and the need to kind of deliver, there needs to be a can-do attitude, a lot of flair, but more importantly can i creatively brainstorm with you all day and can we really turn on turn it on and turn on the magic mm-hmm. and I, I for me I've, I've had the benefit of um working with uh, gracie who's like she came from billy blue five years ago and then she's just ever since we've been inseparable um so that was my first hire that was quite easy but um <laughs> But like equally, um, from looking out to the network and with a lot of people who know what kind of person I am, people suggested people to me that would be great to work with, I found. This is the most surprising thing. When I was kind of putting the feelers out of who would like to, who, who could I work with, I was actually more surprised who came out of the woodwork. Like, yeah, I'd love to work with you. That'd be great. I'd be like, oh, wow. Didn't really mm. quite realise people thought of me in such a way. So... For me, I've had the benefit of having like-minded people in my past um, wanting to um, kind of gravitate towards the common cause, I suppose, and the philosophy of the way I approach things. But in terms of juniors and stuff like that, I mean, that's a whole different ball game of conundrum because if someone can tell me where I can find really good juniors that I think can really run with it, from the get-go. I mean, they're kind of few and far between, unfortunately, in my, from my point of view. Is this when we start talking about millennials? Millennials. Ben, Benny could have a run about. <laughs> well, hold on, right? So Julius apparently I'm a millennial. Are still millennials. So millennial would We're be, We're past yeah. that almost, like yeah. Gen Z is coming. I guess yeah, it's Gen Z now, mm. Gen Z. Yeah. Mm. Do we, so an 18-year-old, 19-year-old would be a millennial? Not, Not anymore. anymore. No? No. The, the that's old, how old that's how old yeah. we're getting. Wow. <laughs> the, the youngest millennials, I think, are now like 20, around twenty. All right, and we're we're hitting that next generation already. And um, for like juniors, but I think you know what Mikey started with. I think with hiring more senior people, you usually know someone, or mm. it's yeah. it, like you've worked with freelancers before. You've worked with, so there is there is this. Um, and because we are so much about people, and it's, it's literally, Holzbrush is one of the studios, I've, I'm not sure whether I've ever worked in a studio where we always got the chemistry so right. Like, it literally always has been, like, I've been there for three and a half years now, and there have been very few people who felt like they don't perfectly fit in. Like, it's always been a very pleasant team and like just everybody gets along so well no silos no two big egos like no there's a lot of agency bullshit that can happen you know and if you yeah i, I don't know i think holzbrot has always got that really right and that's that's been amazing for me so you really love showing up every day and what mikey said in the end you have to work with those people you know 
you spend a lot of time yeah. um, of your life in that studio and you really have to get along with people. I think that the hiring hiring juniors is an interesting thing for like, you know, everybody who's listening who um, is just starting out or early in their career. I think for me, I've always said uh, we hire we hire attitude and not a portfolio. You can't have that po- that perfect portfolio yet. Like you've just started out, you've you know you've, you've only done so much work. You wanna you wanna find that spark in someone. Like in a in a conversation, mm-hmm. like in in an interview, you just wanna see that someone's hungry. Someone really wants to learn. That someone's just really excited about the things and. Then, then the other thing is like, do you see ideas in that portfolio? Even if, if even if the execution is not great yet, you yep. know, do you actually see ideas that feel different? Is there a, a, a unique point of view? Is there, and that's why I've even in talks I've done at unis, I always say like, like, actually have the guts to be yourself, like show the best of yourself, and don't try to do something you think someone wants to see. Like, do you who you are, and if you love tattoos or whatever and just do that really well and that might bring in a really different point of view and you might be a great illustrator on the side and that's a that's one of those skill sets that could just match like be missing in a team yeah. and just fit in i think a lot of people forget that the internship is the interview yeah <laughs> like uh, i i see a lot of people who absolutely miss the mark on an internship mm. you've absolutely not got the reason why the opportunity you have in the room like we're not there to teach you uh, really, we give our time because we. I, I feel like I, I like to give back as much as most designers do, right? But um, I reckon the internship for me is the best way to get a job or mm. set an impression because tell you what, I've been in a situation where that person's impressed me so much. I, I They are in my thoughts by the time an opening comes up. Absolutely, 100%. And I've seen that in every agency I've ever worked with, the internship mm. is the interview. If you can get an internship and give a good impression, when there's a job for a junior, you will get a call. Yeah. It, it echoes that kind of sentiment of how small the industry is. The other side of the coin is if you do a bad job or you're late and you're not really into it, you're not yeah. you know, prepared to be a team player and all that sort of stuff, then you know, you'd be the last person that they yeah. that would, you know, be offered a role. And yeah. people move around as well. So if you've yeah. tried to get a job somewhere and then a couple of years later, that same creative director, they're like, yeah. mm-hmm. but that person was late. They never turned up. They weren't been really into it. Yeah. But we all, as you say, um, we all know who's who in the zoo. And if I'm looking for someone or if Benny's thinking of someone, we're going to reach out and uh, invariably someone's worked with someone quite cool in an internship and go, yeah, as I say, I've, I've hired people on recommendation going, this this kid's really good, you should hire him. Yeah. And I've kept it in mind and then it's come to fruition. So there are opportunities there. I just think people forget how... Mm. <laughs> they're, they're not obvious ones. There's not a job advert, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I know this. This is the ridiculous thing. It's like, where where do I find jobs? I've looked in the paper. And it's like, well, they don't really go there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got a funny story about that. Like I, years ago, I hired a junior, and we're struggling to find a good junior. I went to like a uni, and we like looked at the like their um, gradation show and handpicked someone who had an amazing project. Had a chat awesome guy like got along really well and um i had to talk him into the job um for a while because he was like, oh no i'm gonna go to new york and i want to go somewhere else and want to do something else and then a few months later he showed up and hired him and it was one of these interesting ones where in the end he thought of himself that he he was he literally said to my face i'm already good i don't have to listen and i really struggled with that junior for quite a while mm. because he was someone who just didn't want to be mentored. Yeah. Um, and and had un- that uncoachable. Very, yeah. Had that very kind of almost arrogant attitude of I'm now I'm already good. Like this is, this is, and you're like, I've talked to the client, like what you've just shown me in ter- like in an internal review is not really what the client needs. We have to change this. And it's like, no, but this is good. I don't want it. You know, all, like kind of this mm-hmm. battle you fight, this uphill battle you're fighting constantly. And it's, yeah, it's so much about attitude. Like if you have a person who might not be the best designer in the beginning, but has that hunger to improve, like shows you that they really want to. Of course, yeah. you need a little bit of talent, but I think you can see that talent. Um, but if, yes, you don't have to be perfect yet. You just have to have that attitude to show up, give your best, make yourself useful. You know, ask a, 
a smart question. Like, that goes back to that mentorship mm-hmm. kind of idea of like, ask a smart question and then follow through, like put in the work and then, and if you can't work it out, then feel free to come back, but don't just ask questions and don't follow through and you know, no one can fast track, no one can do it for you. Yeah. Like you just have to make yourself useful and do the work and then I think you find your way and you find your role and that goes back to, you know, become a specialist or a generalist yeah. again. It's like this, find your way. I have to say, when I when I got my first official internship which turned into my first job when I turned up I didn't know what I was doing Mm. I didn't have a clue what I was doing and I remember the jobs that they had they had like premium spirits beers brands they had like great supermarket European brands there and um as as Benny said back then we had to create mood boards and cut things out of foam and get really hands-on so the first couple of weeks, I wasn't really on the computer. I was kind of polishing everyone's uh, mock-ups, doing rub-downs, if anyone knows what that I is. Do, um, I do. Making um, beer, Carling Lager uh, beer mock-ups with rub-downs and putting them in suitcases with foam so the account manager could take them on the plane that day and come back the same day. And performing that skill well meant that they were really happy with me, right? And then I remember going home going, man, there's all this like cool projects around. I'm not getting a handle on any of them. But just sitting there, just for an hour, I'll be honest, like I was pretty tired. <laughs> it's just an hour's all you need, right? No. Um, <laughs> but I was actually just, just trying to throw in a few ideas that I had anyway. And then it was the creative director at the time went, well, I said, look, I've, I've done some ideas and I'll go back to this absolute vodka analogy. Like, I said, I've just got some ideas. And he was like, he was really impressed. And two of them got like presented to the client. So for me, I felt like it wasn't is the opportunity I created. Yeah. Mm. I was only supposed to be there for two weeks. I was there for a year. So uh, in you will be rewarded for your for your ingenuity and hard work mm. and just thinking on your feet a little bit when you're there, I think. Do you think there's um any difference so we we talked about the Gen Z people. Do you think do you think the expectations are different? I think they have changed. I feel like when I started out and I'm I'm a zenial, so I'm that weird micro generation between millennials and Gen X before. And I feel like Gen X still had that yuppie, hardworking, hard work, play hard mentality. And then with, you know, if you, the literature about millennials says they're, you know, entitled generation. And I do find that I had a few conversations with juniors about work-life balance really early on, which I would have never had because I felt like I, I don't, I don't care. Like it, you know, it, it felt like I can work late hours and still go out for a drink and then just not sleep that much when I was at that age. And so it's become a topic. But I the, I don't know, I, I reject to just see that as a negative thing because for me, it's actually, you know, there's also a lot of agency stuff that happened in the past that wasn't great. And people were, you know, you know, basically sweatshopped mm. um, in a lot of advertising agencies. And there's this still... A lot of agencies have that mentality of you. If you go home before ten, then you haven't really done. It, it doesn't part, really make part much. Yeah, it doesn't really make much sense though, because you can only do so much. You don't usually you don't do that much more work. If you do that every now and then, it works. But if you do that all the time, you don't do more more work than someone mm. focused on eight hours. Like, and again, research actually proves that. I don't know. Like, I, I think the way how you talk to people has changed a little bit. I think it's become less hierarchical in general, but that is something, again, that's very natural to me. I don't really like strong hierarchies too much. Like I've always been very, doesn't really matter. Like if someone brings a great idea to the table, please shout out. Like if, even if a junior turns around and judges my work, looks over my shoulder when I'm on the tools and says like, oh, I actually think that looked better before. I appreciate that. It's actually fine. And I, I like different points of view. That doesn't mean I change it every time but it's in the end like you know that diverse point of view might help because it's just that yeah someone with a different background giving you feedback and i've always appreciated that to the to the girls in in my team like they're like uh, mid-20s right so they're like good old 10 years younger than me i love it you just i just love how they're just teaching me something in a a way i I can't go through life thinking the way i think's the right way of doing things and 
if I don't get challenged by somebody else, well, how am I going to evolve? We were doing a project the other day, and I know I'm not allowed to talk about projects, but we were talking about a project the other day, and the stuff they were coming out with from the Urban Dictionary was absolutely ridiculous. I didn't <laughs> even have a clue what the th- <laughs> they were coming out with words, and I was like, the whole, "That's not a real word." The whole studio yeah. was laughing; it was awesome. Mikey <laughs> was reading out some stuff aloud. I thought, we like, re- "You're no, no, no." <laughs> but anyway, there's there's a lot of lingo out there. I don't even yeah, know. About but that. it's it's yeah. so it like we keeps you fresh. You've got to do it. Mm. We need young designers on the team like yeah. i honestly I've, I've always it's one of the things i've always really appreciated in like working in agencies that you've got that you know and at holzbosch we've got both i've got hans with his 40 plus years of experience and then we've got but we need the young designers who are really on the pulse of what's cool yeah. now what's happening now um not every brand might need that but a lot of things you do are actually you know there is a younger target audience here um, so you will need their feedback. You really, you really need to tap into their knowledge of what's cool at the moment, and you, I, th- I think it just doesn't work without, without that skill set. Super cool. We are pretty close to out of time. That went really fast. That went really fast. <laughs> that went really fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably because there's two of us. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Double trouble. Well, great. Um, I mean, I guess the best thing is where can people find you if they want to find out more about you? Where do you guys live online? That's an interesting question because I've actually I do I do have an online portfolio which is pretty outdated as a right from a technology point of view. I've Aren't they all? Well, everyone's everyone's a few projects every now and then. Date. But I've I've actually I used to use Instagram a lot, but I've kind of it started to bore me a couple of years ago, and I'm not really doing that much anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm on LinkedIn a lot, but it's more like it's a lot of the time it's a source for good articles and a, a network for me to just right. stay in touch with people. So I'm not a super, you know, we write articles every now and then. We, like, I think LinkedIn is great for hooking up professionally. Yeah, that's, for me, that's probably that's it. That's it, cool. Yeah, you can get me on LinkedIn, Advocate at LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, Ask Mikey Hart. Instagram, see Mikey Hart. But yeah, there you go. Cool. And Holzbosch, obviously. So if you want to check out some of the projects that we haven't spoken about but yeah, obviously absolutely. projects come will will be popping up there as well so if yeah. people want to check that out some exciting times ahead so hope that's the problem with our industry right we, we live in the future because we're doing it now and then you see it a year later yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're like oh here's that thing yeah. that i couldn't tell you about on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep an eye out for it um and matt uh, matt underscore you. leech at on instagram cool and you find me at Flynn Tracy on pretty much everything. And you can find this episode and more at AUSDesignRadio.com. And you follow uh, us on Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud at AUSDesignRadio. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Well, thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks. Awesome.